You're listening to the About Consent Podcast, episode number eight. Welcome to About Consent, the podcast that sparks conversations about creating consent culture, boundary repair, sexual empowerment, orgasm equality, and raising a new sexually conscious and consent-empowered generation. This is a safe, shame-free, judgment-free zone where both survivors and those who support survivors are welcome. I'm your host, Rosalia Rivera. What can I say other than I am thrilled for today's episode with the one and only Asha Frost. Asha is an Anishina Abe Ojibwe medicine woman, healer, and spiritual mentor. She is a member of the Chippewas of Nawash First Nation, and as a soul seer and visionary, Asha believes that we can all reclaim our roots and deepest medicines. Asha has facilitated healings with thousands of people through the use of indigenous-based ceremony, teachings, and sacred circle. As a teacher and leader, her purpose is to help women connect to the magic of spirit within their lives so that they can root down and be of service to the world. She's just a beautiful soul, and I am thrilled to have her on today's episode. I know that you're going to find some deep healing just from listening to her voice. She just has this calming presence and this beautiful spirit that just comes through in everything that she speaks. And she'll be talking about how we have medicine within us that really can empower so many areas of our lives, and it's all right within us. So when we think that we need to seek out things outside of ourselves to help us heal, we really just need to tap deep inside of ourselves to release that medicine that can heal us. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this beautiful interview with Asha Frost. So Asha, welcome to the About Consent podcast. I'm really excited to have you here because I've been following you for some time and love learning from you and all of the ways that you bring wisdom and light to your audience. And I know that it will bring so much value and light to my audience. So welcome uh, for, for being here. I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I too am excited. <laughs> so let's start with, for me, I mean, I, I've gotten to know a bit about you, but to anyone who's new listening, who's never heard of you, um, can you talk about how you started in what you do now? Uh, what called you to this work? And uh, maybe just a little bit about your story of, um, of where you are now. Mm-hmm. So I, it all started being with being diagnosed with, a, with an illness. So I was diagnosed with lupus when I was 17. And that just sent me into this place of fear. Um, and it was traumatic. I think at the time there wasn't a lot known about that disease at the time. So I was just 
awakened to all of these different means of healing. And at the time, of course, I went to the doctor and I went to the medical system and they prescribed medications and they didn't work in the way that, I mean, they worked, but I, I had a lot of side effects. And there was something within me that just kept saying, there has to be a different way. And of course, there's a different way that just runs through my blood and my, my ancestral lineage. And that is to come back to the earth and to rediscover all of the ways my people healed, um, that the earth could heal me. So I started relatively soon after that, delving into alternative health techniques and therapies. Um, and then I decided I wanted to be a homeopath myself. So homeopathy was the, the one thing that really helped me on an emotional level and a physical level. And from there, I, um, I went to school for homeopathy. And then I started a private practice um, as a homeopath. It's really interesting as I tell my story because it's so interesting how my path just sort of keeps unfolding and opening up, but it all comes back to me doing my own healing work. Mm -hmm. So all of the healers and the medicine people and the therapists that I saw would lead me deeper into some sort of wisdom within myself. And then it would lead me to the next part of my path. So that opened up to me becoming um, a medicine woman and doing medicine woman work for 16 years in our community. And yeah, and, and honestly, to this day, it's still those things that inform me that I learn from my own healing experiences, my dream time, my ancestors, the earth, they all guide me. They all help to, for me to learn um, what I need to do next and where I need to go next. So it's a beautifully unfolding mystery almost and journey. Mm -hmm. yeah. I love that. And so I have a couple of questions as you were, as you were talking about that. So when you realized that the conventional medical system wasn't where you felt you were being really nurtured, because I, you know, I believe also in that there's ways that you can deal with pain and then there's ways that you can heal pain, first, mm -hmm. you know, and, and there's a lot of differences there. When you decided that you were going to look for alternatives, was that something that was supported by your family or was it something where you were going against the grain? Because, you know, I know for myself in terms of the Latin community, you can find people who are supportive of an alternative, more holistic perspective, but then you're also going to find people who are really um, entrenched in the conventional and they don't understand the other perspective, right? Um, so in, in your case, was it something that you were being supported in or were you like, it was it a contrast? I, my, my mother, who I consider one of my most profound elders, she supported me. So she was like a really, she, she's the one who taught me a lot about my culture and um, just in different ways. So she supported me, but I can hear you in that because, and I think this is really sad. I think this has to do with the trauma of our people. And we share this sort of similar traumatic energy, I think, in, in what's been passed down. Um, my grandparents who went to residential school here in Canada they were stripped of those medicines and those cultures and those beliefs, right? So then there's a barrier to access to those things because then they really connect to the medical system and the doctors and that conventional way of healing because the other way was seen as um, shameful or, you know, it had to be buried, it had to be hidden. Right. So that's where I really saw the disconnect. You know, I'd be sick and my grandmother would say, oh, here's a rosary or I prayed for you in church today. All of these things that would confuse me because I would think, well, why are you not going to the earth and putting some tobacco down? Why are you not doing a fire ceremony or like putting my name out in a fire ceremony? Why, why not doing all those traditional things that you know how to do, that you've seen been done, 
but yet you're going to go to the church and the doctors instead because that's where your faith is in more. So there's definitely a lot of issues in that way with that um, that I still think I'm walking through because it gets passed down into our cells and our bones, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're so, lucky that your mom was there as a supportive yeah. guide. That's yeah, it's great. an act of reclamation, an act of um, resistance almost to walk to walk in this way. At least it was for me. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I love that. And you're lucky because, you know, I, like I said, I've, I've experienced the opposite in many ways. Uh, not with my mom, but just other, um, just culturally, right? So, um, so you mentioned, so you, you know, you were talking about unlocking aspects, right? As you keep going further and you um, were learning from, you know, different people that you were you're crossing in life that helped you unlock, right? So was there an experience where you would feel like, okay, I've, I've released something and now I'm moving into a new direction. Can you talk a little bit about what that feels like for, for those who are maybe trying to do the same where, you know, they connect with someone that really helps them unlock something and they still feel a little bit of fear because of that cultural, again, you know, people on one end saying, you know, that's, that's crazy or that's not, you know, normal. You should be doing these other things. Um, how can, how would you guide them to maybe find that inner wisdom that can help them uh, find the right answer for them? I think, I mean, I've learned over the years because I've studied with many people how, how truly our power really comes from within and how we know our bodies, our spirits, our hearts the best. And I think, I think that the, the energies that are all around us are trying to take us away from that always. No matter what culture we come from, I think there's always this pull of look outside of yourself. We have the answers outside of you. And sometimes it's easier to go that way, right? We have something, we have an illness, we go to the doctor, we think, oh my gosh, I need to be fixed. So I'm going to give my power away from you because you know all the answers. And it's a little bit of a more difficult journey to take that power back and to say, actually, you know, I know what's best for me because it takes a little more commitment. It takes a little more, um, it just takes a little more energy really to kind of stand in your power and not, I don't want to say be a victim because I'm not calling, you know, that other way being a victim, but it's a very different dynamic mm-hmm. um, where you're standing in your power and you're doing that. So unlocking those pieces for me is like unlocking those pieces of power that maybe society has told us we need to give away, whether it's to churches or to, you know, to religion, to medical system, to all of those bigger framework pieces I think if we can just take a breath and know that there are parts inside of us that are so wise and so brilliant, and I call them medicine. We come here with medicine. We come here with inherent knowing of how our life is supposed to unfold. And sometimes it just takes space and quiet and time. Mm-hmm. We talked about meditation before we come on, came on here. And I think sometimes we really need to quiet the noise of the outer world to hear the truth of our soul. Yes. So meditation would be a way with my clients. I did journeys, um, intuitively guided journeys that would bring apart that inner wisdom for them. So I'm a seer, I'm a visionary. I could see things for people, but the most profound and powerful shifts that I saw was when you could see it for yourself. Mm -hmm. And then this whole vibration shifted, right? So I know our culture in the new age uh, realm is all about, I want to go see that psychic. I want to do that reading. I need that intuitive guidance. And yes, those things are amazing, 
but the most profound shift and transformation is going to happen when it comes from you. Mm -hmm. So that's something I've seen in thousands of people now. Um, and it's so powerful. It is, it is. And I've experienced it firsthand. So I, I completely agree with you. And for me, I know that whenever I've felt, I think a lot of it comes from fear when we're, we're afraid of stepping into something new that's unknown. Um, but there's, I think power also in community, right? When you bring together people that are supportive and, and in alignment with the direction that you want to go, it really helps to create that safe space as well. And I think that's one of the things that you create with your communities, right? And um, being able to have a space where, you know, because there's so much, like you said, noise on the outside of people saying you should do, you should do, you should do versus um, allowing you that space to explore within, right? So mm -hmm. I, I really love that. You speak about medicine, and I love how you say the medicine is within us, and you say, you know, that um, you are a medicine woman. For those who don't understand what that means, can you explain what that is, how, how someone comes to be that, or um, can, can help others in that, in that way? Yes. So when I speak about your medicine, I believe it's like a presence or a power that you hold. And for many years, people would sit in front of me on my couch in my office, and it would just come so clear to me what their presence and power was. It would almost just like, just like shine. And I could feel that like unique point of this is what they are meant to do in the world. Maybe it's to smile at somebody down the street and that brings somebody healing. Maybe it's to place your hands on your child's face, you know, and, and just um, send them love. Like it, it doesn't have to be this profound thing where you're standing on stages and doing ceremony or something. It can just be who you are. So I think that pours out of us naturally and we get in our own way because mm -hmm. that self-doubt comes up or we think I'm, or we make ourselves small. Um, so my work is about like uncovering that and helping that to thrive in you. So my journey to be a medicine person, I believe, has come with um, probably all the pain I've been through and all the suffering. You know, they say there's this myth, or I don't even know, it might be a story that shaman in the South Americas get hit by lightning and that's how they're, they're sort of perceived as a shaman and that was their like awakening. And I think that different times in my life I've been like hit by being hit by lightning mm -hmm. um, and just being down um, in my physical health. There's been many, many times where I've not been able to move or walk or many things. So during those moments, the dark shadowy parts of our lives, the medicine has come through. It's been birthed through me. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's that medicine woman part. I believe we all have those times though. I think I call it our soul gold. We have those dark shadowy times where there's so much being birthed within us. So it's, it's just up to us to see that, to be grateful to hold it in grace and then to say, how can I use this wisdom and medicine for good now in the world? Right. Right. I love that. That's lovely. That, and that leads me to the next point because a lot of my, my listeners are um, survivors of trauma and it's very, um, it's very difficult when it's something that has never been healed, talked about, disclosed, and you carry that with you. And, a lot of people would agree that that nervous system response of trauma that sits in your body unreleased uh, can actually transfer to a physical form 
through illnesses, right? Whether that's chronic illness or um, just, you know, ongoing sort of moments of pain here and there um, that come up or just even emotional pain that uh, keeps developing. When someone experiences that, they have a hard time almost being able to see the, the trees for the forest, right? Because it just becomes all this one big pain. What would you, um, you know, having gone through your own experiences of healing, what would you recommend to someone as a first starting point to try to heal or honor themselves so that they can even think about stepping into a healing journey? It all comes back to compassion, I believe. All healing comes back to self-compassion and gentleness for the self. Because I think, I think that we're conditioned to kind of feel like we have to heal through it fast or you're not healing this well enough. You're not moving through it enough. You are not doing, you know, it's not healed yet. I still have another layer. What's wrong with me? It's all this self-punishment and self-blame that even I think somewhat the healing community can can put out there, right? Because it's like, you're looking for this healed state when in reality, like the now is really important. So I would say really, I always like to use animal medicine for this. So for me, it's a deer because deer has walked with me for my whole life. And deer brings me back to you are enough where you are right now. Um, you're doing enough, whatever cycle you are in, in this healing journey, just be in that. And in that moment, can you infuse yourself? You know, you can call in deer. Deer is a beautiful medicine. And for me, she comes in like this beautiful pink light, really. And she kind of moves through my cells, my water, my blood, and just gives me that permission to feel, to mm -hmm. be like, this is really painful. This is really hard. This sucks. Mm -hmm. You know, not to try to jump out of that in any way. Mm -hmm. I think that's the first step to try to just be with it with compassion with yourself and not to feel like, there's anything wrong with you if you haven't healed this yet. Mm -hmm. That's but you started healing it. Oh, a point. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. Um, and it's interesting that you say that because I, I just saw a post from someone yesterday talking about that. And I, I realized that that's not talked about enough. So I love that you brought that up because it's a huge um, burden on people who feel like, okay, I have, you know, I did XYZ and it didn't get me to the goal that I wanted, you know, cause we're so goal oriented. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and if we, if it happened so long ago, you know, you get people who say, well, why haven't you gotten over it yet? Or why haven't you healed already? Or, you know, just move forward and don't look back. And I think that what you said at the end right there was also really powerful that it's okay to feel the feelings and to, you know, it's something that I talk about teaching to kids, right. That learning to uh, understand our emotions and to be okay with feeling them and not be shamed about feeling them is so powerful because we can then process those emotions, right? And then move through them instead of being stuck in hiding them or denying them or invalidating them, right? Um, and, I, and I love that um, using that that visualization. And, and this is something, you know, kind of segues perfectly into my next question, because um, as you know, I've uh, talked about really wanting to learn more about my own um, background, my own heritage, which I know has lineage in, um, unfortunately, in slavery, but also in the beauty of my indigenous roots, um, African roots that I have, and wanting to learn more about that and wanting to be respectful um, in the way that we 
learn about these things, right? And so one of the uh, classes that I had in my course, which you're familiar with, Consent 101, was helping kids to learn how to tap into their internal power, their internal uh, energy, right? And not wanting to sort of have a misstep of how to use the this language or how to use the information correctly, I had talked about animal spirits. And I was really grateful that you were in the class because I, I came to you and I said, you know, I would really like to know uh, more about this so that I am not using it incorrectly and that, and we can, you know, uh, guide people in the right way to use this. So you mentioned animal, um, animal spirits just now, um, which is perfect segue for me to ask you, because that is something that has been coming up a lot in the mainstream. And, you know, I remember reading a post in one of your blogs talking about how people are misusing the, not just the terminology, but all of the concepts, right. And not, uh, honoring and crediting where these come from. So can you talk a bit about the animal spirit uh, concept and where that comes from, how it should be or could be used um, appropriately and, and how some people can tap into that to, to be able to, to honor that and, and their own energy? Mm-hmm. Yes. I love this question. <laughs> um, well, it's, it's a huge issue right now around appropriation. And I always like to start this by saying I'm, I'm one Indigenous person speaking about this. I don't speak for all Indigenous people because I do believe that non-Indigenous people can have animal spirits and animal medicine. I like to talk about it as medicine because I believe each animal has their own unique medicine, just like people. And I, for me, it just boils down to, you know, I'm not going to claim that it comes from a particular tribe because I believe that probably most indigenous communities of, of any lineage had worked with animal medicine. I just think, of course they did. The animals were around us, right? How could we not, you know? So I don't really claim to own anything in that way, but it's really how it's being used. So um, there are, you know, terms people use like, oh, my child's my spirit animal or, you know, coffee, this coffee is my spirit animal. Like in those ways where you're just using it in a really kind of joking way, um, that's not appropriate because truly these are our siblings. They are our ancestors. They are beings that are, are powerful for us. So just to kind of like diminish that isn't, isn't kind and it's not in right relation. So that would be a very easy way to say like, are, am I using this in a correct way? And the other way is just simply how can we honor this? So say you do an animal spirit journey and you, you see a lion so you get this lion and you start to develop a relationship with it as though it's, it's a person in your life, as though you're having a sacred relationship with this being because it, it, it has appeared for now this protection and this medicine that it's there for you for. So can you honor your lion in your prayers? Can you put a little bit of an offering? Can you sing your lion a song? Can you, and these are the things I would say with, if you're working with children too, like how do we honor our spirit animal today? What are we going to say to it? Can we offer it gratitude? Have a little picture under our pillow, put it on our altar. Mm-hmm. These are the ways that I think you bring it back to the sacred. And that's always what I just speak about is just bringing it back to the sacred and it's between you and creator. Mm -hmm. It's not between you and anybody else who's going to judge you about this. I really truly believe it's between you and creator because, um, yeah, that's, that's the relationship we're, we're developing. Right. So 
that's where I stand on that. I know there's many indigenous people that say you do not have a spirit animal. And I don't agree because I've seen thousands of people with spirit animals that are not indigenous. So in my experience, that's not true. Right, right. Okay, perfect. And I I thank you for that because there are uh, so many people that I've seen uh, that are not obviously using it in an ill-intended way, but are still using it incorrectly. And I think just the education piece of it is so important that that more people need to know about so that they are honoring it correctly and um, and not misusing it. So so I, I appreciate that. And actually, I can I say one more thing about that? Sure. Actually, because the other part and piece of it is that. The other piece where I see that it can cause harm is if you are taking these teachings and you're using it really for profit. So, mm. and, and only you will know that, right? Because you can use it in an offering that you're offering, getting money for it, but it's how are you using it in that sacred way or not? And there's people that are using, you know, that aren't really looking at the whole picture. And I'd say it's primarily um, white women who are using these these practices and they're using it to, for financial gain without doing the sacred work or caring about the BIPOC people that are suffering and the struggles they go through every day. So right. that's another aspect. I think hold the, hold the whole picture and know the story of where you're taking this from. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in terms of, um, so, and you, you do this kind of work um, within your um, community so I, I want to make sure that anybody who is interested in learning more about this, they can um, connect with you. So I'll, I'll post those links um, in the show notes as well. And we, we can talk about um, how people can connect with you in a bit. Um, but moving into uh, other aspects of healing, I mean, you talked about in the beginning, finding out that you had lupus. Is, is that something that you are continuing to heal? Is it like the work that you do? Because I, I actually know someone else who has lupus and, and they try to um, go a more natural, uh, holistic route and didn't have success with that, unfortunately. So I don't know if it has to do with what that necessarily had to do with, but um, I would love to, if you could talk a little bit about ways that if someone did have um, some medical trauma in a sense, because you know medical uh, chronic illnesses can be traumatic, um, what would you recommend them to do as a starting point for looking into more holistic ways if they're trying to move away from conventional um, while also um, maybe doing other aspects of healing? Because I, I truly believe that when we are trying to heal just the body, we're missing other aspects of our healing. So can you talk a little bit about your journey with, with that specific illness and how others can maybe learn from that? Yeah, it's it's an ongoing journey. It's still, I mean, it's been, I'm 42 now, so it's been, it's been almost 25 years. And I think, I mean, I, I do see the value in the medical system, the conventional medis- medicine, you know, they, they do testing for me. I need to go there every so often. Um, and they don't often find me answers. So that's something that I've always struggled with. So at the beginning of your journey, if you're diagnosed with something, I would just say to like always have an advocate with you. So, you know, have a conversation with somebody who, who can stand firm and be set some boundaries for you and say no to things for you that you maybe don't want. Because when you're in a vulnerable state, it's hard to speak up during those appointments sometimes. So that would be a really important thing. I had that at the beginning of my journey. I think that was really important for me. I'd also say to just 
um, you know, you can get overwhelmed by all of the things that you can possibly do. So it's like, do this vegan diet, do this green juice cleanse, do the celery juice, do all these things. And I've tried it all, you know, I've tried it all. And it's one of those things that I think it comes back to the compassion, like find something that works for you. Um, but don't get overwhelmed by all of the possibilities because also when you find yourself in that space, you can start to feel ashamed like, oh my goodness, all of these things are wrong with me and I have to take all these supplements or do all these diets to make it right. And that's not true. Mm -hmm. I think the more we can come back to, this is happening for you. This is uncovering something for your healing. Um, We don't quite know what it is yet, but let's take it step by step and not get too overwhelmed by all the possibilities. Yes, those people are trying to help us. And sometimes it can end up in us feeling not good enough and ashamed that somehow we did some or created this in our own body ourselves, right? Right, right, right. Um, Those are the starting points I'd suggest because I think it can be really overwhelming living with a chronic illness mm-hmm. and people are going to start sending lots of things your way too, right? If you start yeah. opening up, they're going to be like, try this, try this, try this. That's yeah. something I still have to set boundaries around. Yes. So I'd say actually that's a good point. Boundaries, boundaries are so healing when dealing with a chronic illness, finding your sacred no really tuning into what's going to serve me today. And that's something that I've had to refine. I'm still refining to this day of like, is this going to let me up and fill my cup or is it going to drain me? Right. And with a chronic illness, you only have a certain amount of energy. So you have to be really careful. Yeah. So boundaries are a huge piece. Beautiful advice. I love that so much because, um, I know someone else who also has a lot of different illnesses and they've become chronic. Um, And there are people in this person's life who have the tendency to go try this and do this. And, you know, they have had that exact feeling of overwhelm, like, Oh my God, do I need to do all these things? And what should I be doing first? And, and it can be overwhelming. And they finally set boundaries and they were kind of like hard line boundaries, you know, because there was just so much, it was like an avalanche of, of stuff that they were being told to do. Um, and then when they finally set that hard boundary, they could take a deep breath and go, okay, I'm going to decide what I want to do. And I thought it was, um, really powerful when that person really did finally set that boundary. And even for me, it was kind of a lesson because I'm the kind of person who's also like, you should try this and this has worked for me. And, you know, uh, so when they set that boundary, it was like, oh, okay, right, like they need to slowly process this and decide what's what's going to work for them. And it's hard to know when you're not in those shoes, right? So I love that advice. And for survivors, it's boundaries are really hard, right? So um, practicing boundaries is so important in all aspects of healing. So I thought, I think that's brilliant. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, I wanted to jump into, because I, I know I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> I don't want to take up too much of your time. But one of the things that I really wanted to uh, make sure we touched on is generational trauma. Because I know that we've talked a little bit about this in um, in other areas where sometimes we don't realize that we're carrying that trauma from others, even if it's not our, our own Um, Can you speak a little bit about your experience with that and what you've learned, what you, what you'd like to share um, with others about it? Yes. So 
it's, it's bringing me back to these moments in my life because I've seen so many healers and so many healers would be intuitively tuning into my essence and they'd say, have you ever had sexual abuse trauma in your life? And, you know, I would rack my brain and I would try to go back and just think like, not that I can recall, but that's not saying that it didn't happen, but nothing that I can consciously recall. But it would just, the question would come up over and over again so many times. And it started to really, um, really kind of have me curious about exploring that potential that perhaps what I'm carrying is the energy um, in my cells of that trauma. And maybe it didn't happen to me directly um, because I do know it's happened to people directly in my family. And particularly from the residential schools, many of those children were sexually abused. Probably all of them were sexually abused in horrific ways. So because I believe that um, I am a person to transmute some of that trauma in this, in this life of my ancestors, you know, I don't know if I'd love that role all the time, but it is part of what I've meant to do here. I know that I'm carrying that too. So I started doing some of that work and with my patients seeing, oh my goodness, we really can carry in our cellular makeup, our energy fields, all of those layers and levels of our being memories of trauma that may not be our own, but it's being expressed in our physical bodies and our emotional bodies as though it's happened to us. And this is, this can happen, you know, with our children when we're, they're dreaming about things like it really does come through us. So if this is why I love your work so much, because doing the work that you're doing and making all of this conscious and bringing that healing forward is going to heal all of the generations behind us. Yes. So I think that this is such profound healing work. And it's something I did notice when I did my healing work with you, when I took your course, I call it healing work, but when I took your course, I, you know, I was doing some of that work myself and, and sharing with my children. And then somebody in my family who had had some, you know, horrific trauma came forward and said, something's healed for me. And we didn't even have to talk about it. Right. She just came forward and told me that. And I thought it's working. It's working. My intentions to, to share this with my children in a healed way is healing the generations behind me. Mm -hmm. So I believe it. It's like, it's miraculous. Yeah, I love that. Um, and the thing is that with, with myself, I mean, everyone in my family has been unfortunately um, touched by, by abuse uh, in different, at different levels and in different capacities. But um one of the things that has come up for me in doing this work as well is connecting with, with ancestral spirits that I previously didn't believe was possible mm -hmm. and was really closed off to the idea. You know, if we're going to be honest, like it wasn't something that I even thought was a, a possibility that, you know, I come from a perspective that's very like, scientific and you know I grew up Catholic and so um, you know I'm up until I was about 19 years old I was very much in that system and then I realized that it wasn't serving me and it wasn't something that was making me feel good so I let go and for a very long time decided that um, I would explore other religions and then I realized that other religions were not you know going to help me connect uh, with myself in any way. So I let go of those. And then I really decided, okay, I'm going to 
just look at the world in a very scientific way. And my closest connection to spirit, you know, what I, what I see now as spirit or uh, source was nature. Mm. And it wasn't until I was 30 years old that I really started like truly connecting on a deeper level with nature and finding that as my connection to source. And I still felt like something was missing. Something was not like there was a calling that I couldn't explain, but I knew that I needed to like seek, you know? So I've been in like this seeker mode for the last five years, I would say. Um, and it isn't until this very last year when I had this breakthrough um, that I really started connecting with source, like through meditation, um, which originally, funny enough, started as like, I'm just going to do meditation because I want to focus my mind and I just really want to like learn how to, you know, tune out the noise and I'm just doing it strictly for that. <laughs> and then um, it's funny how life works because through that, I've been able to find this really spiritual connection that has opened up to so many other things, including this now really strong and powerful connection with ancestral spirits and uh, realizing that there is so much pain that has yet to be healed. And as I connect with that and heal myself, it's having this ripple effect. And that's just been so powerful. And so now this possibility has opened up for me and something that I realized I was so closed off because I was afraid. I, I had this fear of that possibility actually being there because I didn't want to deal with that ancestral pain. Um, so it's interesting that you talk about how that's healed things for you within your family as well, because, you know, five years ago, I would have said, oh, sure, you know, and not and would have dismissed it because I just didn't believe that that was a possibility. And now I, I can completely resonate with it. Um, and, and it's, I think for a lot of people, it's that fear of connecting with source with themselves, even um, because it means opening up so many things, right? For anyone who is afraid of going there, what would you say to them? What would you recommend as a way to maybe explore that a little bit. Well, it's funny you say that because I remember in my early, when I first got really sick, my ancestors, my ancestors have always visited me at night. I didn't know that there was them. So they would come and visit and freak me out. And I'd turn my light on and it would happen over and over again. I didn't realize until I got sick and saw a healer. And she was like, they're trying to help you heal. You know, they're here. And it was so terrifying for me. So mm. I remember being scared and like running to the bathroom if I had to go and just like hiding under my covers after because it was, it, was, um, it was a frightening experience almost. It was new for me too. So mm. I think I would first just like maybe ask them to come to you in your dreams if that feels safe to you. You know, just doing, if you want to start connecting to them, you know, I love journeying. I love doing like ancestral journeys and just like feeling how they come. So sometimes people just feel like a warmth around them. Mm. If they're not seer, right? They'll just feel a warmth around them. So to me, it's like prayers. I like to pray to the stars. We believe that our ancestors are in the stars. So just even connecting, I would just start to do little, little moments of connection of just, okay, the possibility they might be in the stars watching me. And will you come visit me in my dreams tonight? Just opening up the possibility and being curious to that. Mm. Um, I don't believe that everybody's going to have visitors like I did. You know, that was something very profound for, I think, awakening my path as a medicine woman, but you might, who knows. Um, but knowing that they're helpers. So 
these are these are helpers for you. They're guides. They're like they're protectors, and they're praying for you. Mm. They prayed for you to be here. They're praying for your dreams. They're holding you as that light source of what you're meant to be doing on this earth, and they dreamed you into being. Mm. So truly, they are helpers. I love that. I love that. So to wrap this up, um, and, and I would love to have you back another time because there are other things that I'd love to delve into, but to wrap this up, um, what, I'd love for you to share a most recent experience maybe that um, has helped you connect with, with your own sort of deeper experience of being in this world. I don't know if that question totally makes sense. I guess what I'm trying to say is um, maybe a, a recent experience where you felt um, that you were on the right path and, and knowing, you know, that, that you are where you're supposed to be. Yes. Um, it's interesting. It actually goes back to a medical, the medical system, actually, um, without, with my journey with lupus, I've, I've been recently having some um, health issues for the past couple of months and I've been doing all the testing and I don't I haven't done testing in many many years but I had an MRI on Sunday and I was lying there and um, I had a really bad case of pneumonia a couple of years ago and it made me very claustrophobic so I had an MRI a while ago and I wasn't claustrophobic this time I was so I called in for help and I said to my ancestors I need your help to get through this test I'm feeling really claustrophobic I don't know if you'll be, even be able to do it please help and I felt their warmth and I could feel their voices. Two in particular, my grandfather passed away last year, and he's the one that gave him my spirit name, mm. and my aunt who died of lupus. They both came, and they were with me the whole time that I was having this, this MRI procedure, and I just felt so much light. And I just felt like everything's gonna be okay. And I got the results back, they didn't find anything, which is fine, which is great. Um, but it was just that connection, I guess, that they're always there watching over me, and in particular, it gave me some guidance to what I'm meant to do next in creation and creating a course. So that's really great around chronic illness. Mm. So just using these moments, maybe that feel like anxiety provoking or when I'm in fear as it was a, it was a time of darkness, but it, it opened up something again for me that gave me clarity for my next step. I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. And it's amazing how, um, in our darkest moments, like you talked about, you know, is where we get the clarity to realize like what the next step is because we do have that medicine in us, like you said. Um, and I love being able, I, I love that uh, visualization now that I have uh, from what you said of, of knowing that we have that. I mean, I've always just called it like our internal power, like our compass, you know, that we're born with that guides us, right? And we, when we start to listen to it, it, it shows us the way and we, especially I think anyone who has experienced trauma um, and maybe specifically anyone who's experienced complex trauma, you get so removed from that, that you don't realize you have it. Right. And um, just one message that I want to put out is that very much like you said, we tend to think that it needs to happen fast. Like once we get on a path, it's going to happen like right away. Um, for me, it's been going on for 20 years and it isn't until very recently that it kind of like sped up because I finally became open to listening to that internal medicine that we have. Right. So mm -hmm. I love that. And so thank you. So I'm going to close with that because that was perfect. Um, but thank you so much for spending the time and sharing your wisdom with everyone. Thank How can people find me. you if they want to connect? 
So my website's ashafrost.com and that's the same on Instagram. I'm asha.frost. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you're interested in connecting more to your ancestors and to the medicines of sort of maybe even, you know, I'm always about connecting to your own heritage and bringing those forward through my medicines. So I teach some indigenous medicines in my membership sacred, and I'd love to have you in my medicine circle if that, if that speaks to you. Awesome. And I want to say, I just want to disclose that I am uh, just recently joined your membership, um, which I'm loving already and can't wait to continue learning from you. So for anyone out there who is interested in, in learning more, definitely connect with Asha. I will post all the links, uh, of course, in the show notes so that they can find you and, and connect with you and, and work with you directly. So thank you again for being here. And uh, I hope to have you back uh, in the near future so we can dive into some other um, deeper connections related to ancestors and uh, lineage and all of these amazing ways that we are all connected as humans. So thanks again. I love that. Thanks for listening to the About Consent podcast. I stand for consent culture, shame-free sexual literacy, orgasm equality, and our right to freedom and truth. If you stand for this too, be sure to subscribe. And I would be most grateful if you took one minute to post a five-star rating and review on iTunes so that others may also find this information. Share this podcast with everyone you know so we can start to create consent culture one conversation at a time. My friends, the revolution is here. Get on board.